Father, thank you for this day, uh, for this place, for this freedom that we have to gather and worship Jesus Christ. Uh, We pray that you would help us to gain the most profit uh, from this time of equipping in Christ's name. Amen. So children, this is your opportunity to head out. And adults, we're going to be looking at chapter 24 of the Confession, which is on page 934 in the back of the hymnal. Now again, just to, uh, to you know, I, I, I hope we all are already aware of this, but just to clarify again, what a confession is, is our corporate statement of we believe this is what God's Word teaches. We believe that this is what God's Word teaches regarding uh, the Scriptures. We believe this is what God's Word teaches regarding Revelation, regarding the Trinity. Uh, as we've been looking over the past few weeks, this is what we believe God's Word teaches regarding the relationship of the state to the church. And now, this is what we believe God's Word teaches regarding marriage and divorce. And so we begin, and and I would imagine that none of this is going to be particularly controversial uh, here in this room, uh, but you can imagine how this is increasingly a controversial statement, just the opening statement of chapter 24, section 1. Uh, over the past, uh, I would say, maybe two years, uh, this is now turned into hate speech. Uh, what, what I confess and what every officer uh, in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church confesses is hate speech. Uh, it gets people banned from Twitter. <laughs> And that is, marriage is to be between one man and one woman. Now, how non-controversial can that be? (laughs) Uh, But, you know, you can can see how, and, and again, I think this is the value of having creeds and confessions, is it anchors us uh, to a, this is what the church has taught for the centuries. This is what Christians have understood this, the, the Bible to be saying. And so if we're going to move away from this, we need to do it very thoughtfully. We need to do it very carefully. And it does not need to be motivated by the social pressures, the cultural pressures uh, that are around us. So at any rate, marriage is to be between one man and one woman. Neither... Is it lawful for any man to have more than one wife, nor for any woman to have more than one husband at the same time? So, again, you would think that this is just plain vanilla stuff. But increasingly, in our culture, where marriage is defined 
by whatever you feel like. Uh, you know, two men can get married, two women can get married. Why can't? I mean, we've got a, I think there's an A&E show called Sister Wives. Uh, you know, why can't a man have five or six different wives? Uh, if that's, <clears throat> that's what he feels like. Um, so, so we begin with this basic principle and I put no polygamy, uh, technically I should add, or polyandry. Uh, that's when one woman has more than one husband, that's polyandry. When one man has more than one wife, that's polygamy. But bottom line is, it's one-to-one. Uh, one man, one woman. And then, if you are familiar with sort of the traditional wedding ceremony, uh, dearly beloved, we are gathered here together in the sight of God and these witnesses to join together this man and this woman in holy matrimony. You know those lines? You've heard them enough? <laughs> um, part of that statement comes directly from section two. So section two is what is read in a traditional wedding ceremony. Marriage was ordained for the mutual help of husband and wife, for the increase of mankind with legitimate issue, and of the church with a holy seed, and preventing and for preventing uncleanness. So the purpose of marriage is laid forth. The mutual comfort of husband and wife. Where does that principle come from? Two are better than one. Proverbs. I think also in Genesis where God says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will therefore make him a helper. Fit for him. Uh, so so from, the, from the garden in innocence, uh, marriage is designed to be the man and the woman in encouraging one another together, exercising dominion over the creation, male and female created he them, uh, and, and so the dominion mandate is something that is given both to the husband and wife. It doesn't mean that the husband and wife play identical roles in the exercise of that dominion. Uh, we, we have different, uh, different tunes, uh, I guess, to, to, to play. And when we both playing our tunes well, it produces a really sweet harmony. Uh, it produces a truly strong bond. It produces a, a strong couple that can face a lot of the miseries that life will throw at you. Um, but this is, and obviously, you know, all marriages to some degree don't live up uh, to that model. But this is what we're what we're striving for: is that union between husband and wife that produces that, that cohesion. And I should also say that union is going to look different uh, in, in each marriage. There are cultural differences uh, in, in marriages, and we've got to make sure that our culture doesn't dictate what we understand uh, the, the role relationships to be. We need to ground it in Scripture in the same way that I don't 
I'm not going to allow today's culture to say marriage can be between two men or in the beginning God created humanity and you can figure out your own gender. Uh, I'm not going to allow culture to dictate to me what God's word says. In the same way, we need to be careful that our own Western culture or you know, wherever we come from, <clears throat> that our own culture is not a grid that we place over the scriptures. And I'll give you a couple of examples. I'm trying to think of the proverb. Uh, it, it's, it's not a biblical proverb. It's a secular proverb. But it goes something along the lines of the one who controls the purse strings is in control. So, does that mean that the man has the responsibility to be the money manager? I don't think so. I will say I thought it did in the first 20 some odd years of my marriage. I thought that I had that duty. I had that responsibility. And you guys have heard enough of my horrible math equations from the pulpit to, to get a very clear sense of how good I am at, at finances uh, and the balancing of, of numbers and budgeting and all that sort of stuff. And, and literally, for the first 20 years of our marriage, I was beating my head bloody against a brick wall trying to figure out how to make a budget. And, and to make it work and uh, all that sort of stuff. And it really was, I mean, it wasn't any spiritual insight on my part. It, uh, to be, to be very vulnerable and transparent with you, I had gotten to the place where I was having panic attacks when I sat down to balance the checkbook because I knew just how tenuous our finances were, uh, how out of control this stuff was. And, and I just, it, the, the checkbook was going two or three months without getting balanced. And finally, Meredith said, you know, I'd be willing to take this off your plate if you want me to. And I was like, yes, please. And it's just like, boom. I don't know why I didn't think of this 24 hours into our marriage. It would have saved us all kinds of heartache. Because she's good at that stuff. Um, it doesn't overwhelm her. She, she's able to, to focus on the details. For me, I've got to see the big picture. And sometimes you get overwhelmed by looking for that big picture. And so she runs our finances now. I don't think that makes me subordinate to her. Uh, we, we still, you know, we, we have conversations. We sit down once a week. We look at our budget, our update, blah, 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 figure out our priorities for the week and how we're going to be using our funds over the long term, yada, yada, yada. Uh, in me handing the finances over to her, I don't believe that I handed over biblical responsibility. Um, but, but that's something that certainly for me, at least, was very much at the heart of what does it mean to be a man and to be the head of my house. Uh, to be a man and to be the head of my house meant I've got to be the one that's balancing the checkbook, that's doing the quicken spreadsheets, that's all this sort of stuff. And, and I've got to be the one doing that. And it just kind of hit me that, no, I really don't. Uh, I'm not giving up headship uh, in order to recognize that she's got gifts that I don't. 
and, and stop swimming against the current. I'll give you a silly example. I still, you know, this, this is in the category of accordions for me. Uh, I just, I have a fundamental problem with Meredith driving. Uh, for me, it's just, the man should drive. <laughs> just, and, and I'll, you know, that is totally Western. That's totally stupid. Uh, there is absolutely zero biblical <laughs> grounding in this at all. It's just one of these DNA things for me. Is And so Meredith will tell you, when we're going out to the car and she forgets and walks over to the driver's seat, I'll make some grotesque, sexist remark uh, about, you know, what, am I wearing a dress today or, you know, something like that. Because it just, I'm supposed to drive. Uh, that's what the man does. The man drives. Uh, now, I say that, hopefully, lightheartedly, to, to point out there are things that are cultural. There are things that are silly. Uh, there are things that, that our culture imposes upon us in terms of the understanding of what a man does, what a woman does. Uh, and, and we need to be aware of those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think we're all on the same page that the, the purpose, one of the purposes given in marriage is that it's not good that man should be alone. Uh, we need a helper. And, and together we work much better uh, than we do alone. And then there's obviously, and this again is coming out of Genesis chapter 2, the dominion mandate is not just help, but it's also increase. The, the legitimate increase, uh, in other words, children. And again, this is bizarrely, uh, you know, I think 10 years ago I could have said this and everybody would have kind of acknowledged, yeah, that's, everybody knows that. Uh, today, uh, why can't, I mean, Pete Buttigieg and whoever his quote unquote husband is, I think they have two children now, don't they? Uh, you know, why can't, uh, or why can't a single mom uh, just decide that she's going to have children and get impregnated and carry children? Or a single father, why can't he just adopt? Or two mothers, uh, why can't they adopt? And, and this sort of thing. It's, our, our world, our, our society is very much drifting pretty quickly away from this common sense, basic understanding of what marriage is for. Uh, but we're drawn back to this is so that we can have children uh, and that they can be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, any mom and dad will tell you you need both. Uh, I actually was just having a conversation with a couple uh this past week, and, and the comment was that one of their children, very, very young, uh, did not respect the mother. And I said, listen, when, when that child hears the mother's voice, she needs to know dad is standing right behind that. And that if, dad, if she's disrespecting mom, she's disrespecting dad. And that dad is going to come down like a whirlwind. Uh, because nobody messes with his woman, uh, including the child. 
And, and it was a revelation. Uh, they just, they hadn't heard that before. They hadn't thought of it, uh, in, in that light. Uh, well, these are, these are things that we need moms and dads. And, and anybody knows, anybody with kids, man, how often do the kids try to weasel between mom and dad? If I can get mom to say yes, uh, even if dad says no, I've got a crack that, that I can exploit. Or, you know, I know that, so I'll tell you, my kids, uh, if they want something dietary that's not good for them, which one do you think they ask? <laughs> and if they want to do something, well, let's see, now that's a dad question too. Uh, <laughs> what would dad say no to that mom would say yes to? Yeah, dad pretty much says, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Don't don't break any bones. Don't come back bloody. Do whatever. Uh, Mom is the one that's more nurturing and concerned. So, yeah, I mean that, that's a that's a that's a good point of the the ways in which sin has corrupted uh, this mandate. Yeah, I mean that that's. Uh, Well, and, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly that, that example that you just gave of men are, <clears throat> they're just, they're bigger, uh, is entering into the trans movement and trans quote unquote women, uh, men who are passing themselves off as women competing in NCAA swimming and winning national records. And we've got to all affirm their womanhood while simultaneous, yeah, it, it's crazy. We live in, we live in crazy time. <laughs> but I think that's the value of coming back to these, these core basic principles. This is what marriage is for. Uh, marriage is for the two of you to, to help one another to, to live better, uh, in, in God's world. Marriage is for the purpose of raising godly children. And then the last thing is giving the church uh, a holy seed. 
So increasing the church and then preventing sin. The old uh, thing, if it feels good, do it. Uh, in this arena, in the husband and wife arena, produces disease, it produces heartache, it produces a soul that is shredded. Paul's point in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 about, listen, don't go to prostitutes. Don't you know that when you engage in that relationship with a prostitute, you're leaving a part of your soul with her and you're taking a part of her soul to yourself. We, we can pretend this is just what animals do and we're just behaving animalistically, but it's not the case. Uh, you do engage in this, in this relationship. And I would go further to say that's one of the destructive components of pornography. Uh, pornography does not simply, it's not simply an animal thing that I do when no one's looking. It, it colors the way that I look at women. It, it, it changes my brain. <laughs> it, it, it Im- encourages that, that sinful, wicked part of myself to, to always be looking at a woman and sizing her up in that arena, uh, which all of these things are gross perversions uh, of what God has, has legitimately given marriage uh, to be. So I see that we are out of time. Uh, again, I thought this was a quickie. Uh, it's bad timing for that word. <laughs> I thought this would be a quick lesson. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, um, so we'll pick up next time, Lord willing, with section three uh, of chapter twenty-four. But uh, again, just just you know, the confession isn't really saying anything controversial. It's Marriage is between one man and one woman. You shouldn't have multiple spouses. Uh, the purpose for marriage is taken right there out of Genesis 2. It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. Uh, he gives them the command uh, to, to go and exercise dominion and to, to raise godly children. And it's a way to prevent sin uh, in, the, in the sexual arena. Uh, and so then we'll go next time, we'll, we'll look more at what are the legitimate grounds for this thing that God set up to be dissolved. Uh, are, there, are there any legitimate grounds for divorce? Uh, and if so, what are they? And we'll look at that next time. All right, so let's uh, close in prayer, and then we'll go to our time of fellowship. Father, we thank you. Uh, that you've given us in this most personal and for really a lot of us the most important decision in life that we will ever make. Uh, you've given us guidance. Uh, and Lord, even in our brokenness, we know that our marriages uh, don't reflect perfectly uh, what you've called us to do. But Lord, as we keep that target in mind, Uh, Would you help us to each do our own part uh, in our marriages, in our preparation uh, for marriage, in our desire for marriage, uh, to do our part to be faithful? 
and we'll trust you uh, to do the part of sanctification, of making these things glorious. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.